welcome back this is tata's cave season one episode three and today we're going to be answering questions about palo mayombe from the followers but first i wanted to talk a little bit on uh, a specific subject here um in the last episode there was a lot of pauses and it was mainly because i was recording while having um sound going into the headset and this is because I just didn't have the right kind of microphone and it was very awkward so it created a lot of pauses but I do naturally also speak slowly so with that said I did have a wonderful follower uh, make a donation and we went ahead and uh, we now have a legitimate mic for this purpose and I just wanted to shout out Bree um, thank you very much for the mic it's all love so getting started getting right into these questions just keep in mind there's a lot of um, questions that when I do answer them this is from the perspective of Paulo Mayombe um, it's not the absolute truth in in a sense that I'm not trying to speak for all traditions um, I can't speak for all traditions because I do not practice all traditions so the first question that I'm asked is, are spirits real? Well, are evil spirits real? That's a very uh, specific question, but yes and no. So um, some folks do uh, use the word spirit and ghosts interchangeably, and to them there is really no difference there. Um, myself, I do not. I see that the two things having a very distinct difference so from what I was taught from how I um, view things spirits are beings of light beings with good intentions and ghosts are beings of no light beings that generally just do not have good intentions and they can in fact be evil so they can't have bad intentions so ghosts can range from having a neutral intention, we just don't care, we're indifferent, all the way up to, well, I'm just malicious. Um, so yes, ghosts, um, aka evil spirits, do exist. And for all intensive purposes, it's usually ghosts that people encounter um, when they say that they're being plagued by something negative. Um, I've seen a lot of cases where people tell me that they're experiencing something quote-unquote demonic and I've been called in to help and lo and behold it's a ghost. Um, it's not a demon or anything near it. It's just a ghost. Now these ghosts can range they can range in their activity and in the amount of energy they have in some senses they can be quite you know quite big quite powerful and it it is frightening you know for the normal person but ghosts can be removed they can definitely be removed they are not permanent um they can also be enlightened they can be elevated um so uh, ghosts can be shown the light and it can become a spirit uh, so this is also another positive thing so they can be removed and they could be elevated and it could become a spirit so 
in some cases, what makes a ghost is a person that passes tragically or a person that passes too soon and is unwilling to accept or recognize that they have passed. So then they stay in almost like a limbo, refusing the light, refusing goodness, and they stay in this world because they feel that they have unfinished business here and their interactions with the people that they love can actually be more hurtful to the people that they love than they'd think. And then in that case, the move um, wouldn't be to remove that ghost. It would be to elevate that ghost, give that ghost clarity, because apparently that ghost already has some sort of an, uh, an attachment to the person. It could be a family spirit. Um, and they already want to help this person. It's just that their energy is wrong. Um, so they can't help this person. So when you elevate them, all of a sudden you took this ghost, I'm sorry, that was uh, previously hurtful to them. You elevated it and now it's actually beneficial to them. So not all ghosts should be removed in the first place. Um then you have certain ghosts that it's like you know um at no fault of their own you know someone was just you know walking around going to the library or something and they happen to stumble across this ghost and it attaches themselves uh to that person now a ghost like that usually the move is to remove it it does not belong with that person it serves no purpose being there and it is harmful to that person um, so it can be removed uh, but that being said you know it's not always the case sometimes a, a ghost that becomes attached can also be beneficial to a person it all depends on the situation so this is why um, we use divinations and you know readings or consultations to figure out what exactly the the next move should be for this attachment um, but in essence, yes, there are evil spirits and we call them ghosts. Um, keep in mind, using sage is not the move. Um, I've been practicing for quite a while and I've never used sage. Um, that's not something that we even do. So, because uh, I've, I'm mentioning this because I've seen so many people um say they want to smudge a ghost away and don't get me wrong that comes from a practice where that might work for them but that's not for everyone and not all ghosts um respond well to all different types of cleansings so one ghost you can smudge and the next one you can't and if you do the smudging on the wrong one then you did nothing but anger that that ghost so now you just made it worse instead of making it better so it's not it's not a be all end all like people think it is um so please um instead of just doing things just to do them do readings do divinations figure out what exactly is necessary um before doing these things but yeah, that's that's that question. The next question that I have is, are ATRs demonic? And I've actually had this question a lot. 
it's one of the most frequently asked questions that I get from newer people that are just leaving, say, Christianity and looking for their ancestors. That's one of the most asked questions by that specific group of people. And the answer is most ATRs cannot even begin to be classified as demonic because they don't believe in demons. Um, I'll say that again. They don't even believe in demons. So how can they be demonic? Um, the whole term of demonic comes from a very specific type of religious view. Um, and so they're the ones that can or cannot be demonic because they're the ones that do believe in demons. Um, so we don't have that at all in, in certain traditions. Um, like for example, in Palo, we don't actually have demons. Um, we have beings that are more or less hostile or more or less mean, um, but we don't actually have uh, demonic beings. It just doesn't register um, so we can actually be demonic and that's going to be the case across the board for a lot of different uh, ATRs and if you're wondering what an ATR is it's an African traditional religion um, yeah but for the most part you're you're going to see a lot of traditions that don't even believe in demons in the first place um, so they, they can't be demonic if they don't even believe in that in the first place uh, but yeah, that's that's that, and it's it's sad to see so many people um, believing that ATRs are demonic, and they don't understand that this is a remnant of the past. This is a remnant of racism. This is a remnant of slavery, where you know anything black was demonic, you know, um, and instead of using their critical mind to try to understand, well, why do people consider this or that demonic? they um they just accept that it's just demonic so yeah but al along the lines of no it's not demonic um anyways moving on um i had a question about how to help people or how to identify when a person is trying to communicate with spirits but it's really them communicating either to themselves or to a trickster spirit and that's a very interesting question um mainly because there's so many people out here that believe wholeheartedly that they are communicating with their ancestors or their spirit guides and they're not so let me touch on this for a second there are initiations into traditions there are several protocols into how you do and do not communicate with spirits and there is a more modern spirituality that has been running rampant lately and it spreads heavily through um, specific little echo chambers like for example clubhouse rooms or or Twitter spaces this that and the third and what's really going on is these modern practices people are being taught so first off people are being taught that your spirituality is decided upon by you 
and you can pretty much just make up whatever you're going to make up by way of um, resonating with something. And instead of taking the proper steps, you kind of just take from it what you choose, whatever you like at your convenience, and then leave the stuff that you don't like. Um, and then you do that across the board with everything, and then you have like little bits and pieces of all these other um, traditional spiritualities, and you mix them all together, and always to your convenience of how you feel resonates with you, and that's that's your spirituality. So that's where you get people that you know um, they'll talk to you about kundalini, karma, um, chakras, but then ashe. Um, astrology, tarot, then the Inkisi, all that mixed together. And that's not okay. That is definitely not okay. Um, that is not even remotely right. So basically, these traditions teach you protocols. And one of the protocols is um, initiation and the need for initiation and the need for it to not be a self-initiation which is another thing that you know in more modern spirituality you start seeing you know self-initiation and then um initiation in dreams and they say well you know i was i was already born initiated or i i had a dream um that i was taken out into a forest and and initiated by the spirits so i no longer need your humanly initiation listen there is no exceptions to initiations. None. Zero. Um, it's either you are initiated or you are not. And if you are not, then you should not be using the terms and, and internal systems from within a tradition in your modern spirituality. Because you, you're not really communicating with those spirits from inside of that tradition. Um, if you're not, it's just that simple no you're not period um what you're communicating with is either your own self um and basically your strong desire and desperation to be communicating with that being is misleading you to believe that you're communicating with it when it's really just you aka a person has um such an intense desire to speak with that spirit that even when they're not, they believe that they are, or B, you are being misled by a trickster spirit. Um, so these trickster spirits, I wouldn't even call them spirits, I'd call them ghosts. But, you know, people have called them trickster spirits for a while. Um, these trickster spirits, um, they are purposely out there waiting for people to try to reach out and and do these things and make these mistakes to try and take advantage and they usually take advantage of the young not initiated um modern spiritualists or people that you know practice traditional um spirituality but they don't know what they're doing and they're just kind of faking it till they make it and these these tricksters are really just hanging out in the little lemongrass waiting for them to make mistakes so that they can come in and pretend to be another spirit and mislead them now what do they gain from this well 
they gain someone following them. They gain your energy. Um, you're going to sit here and spend X amount of time being led in the wrong path. And they're going to love that. They're going to love the fact that they're the one guiding you incorrectly. Um, they're going to love the fact that they're the one taking you around in circles. And in the end, you're not going to be um, getting the right answers or doing the right things. You're just going to be misled by a trickster spirit. Um, so, please, if you're not initiated in true traditions and you feel as though you are communicating with spirits that are within a tradition, please be aware that it's either you are misleading yourself or a trickster spirit is misleading you. They will not communicate with you outside of their tradition. It just does not work. And I have never heard of a legitimate self-initiation into these traditions. Um, so the next question that I got is, why, why is initiation and why is license or decencia necessary? Um, so I kind of sort of touched on this in the last question, but I'll go a little bit further in this one. Um, so initiation is a rites of passage. So it originally wasn't meant to be um, a ceremony that's performed um, to allow people into any specific tradition. Originally, these were ceremonies that were done by kids that were coming of age this was their coming of age ceremonies um and it really just granted them the ability um to go further into their spirituality whereas that's in the more ancient times and then more modernly you know these tr these rites were performed on people um to allow them access into the spirituality now i earlier i was um so gracefully um, taught that there is a specific forum online where you know there's a basically a mass of people that just go around um, appropriating everything and they do not believe in initiations and they do a lot of self initiations and actually speaking one of the weirdest things on that forum was that they actually had a sub forum they actually had a category for Paulo Mayombe and I actually saw firsthand you know several people that are not initiated into Paulo Mayombe um saying that they can still work those spirits um they don't need initiations they you know they talk they talk to the spirits in dreams and so now they are fully fully licensed fully uh, authorized to work with these spirits because they had a dream um no absolutely not there's no such thing those spirits will call to you in dreams they will do all sorts of weird things you know draw signs everything you know they'll even i've, I've actually had someone have a dream of being initiated like the full um dream was very descriptive of the initiation process and so they thought that they were initiated in their dream and i explained to them no that's not how that works and when they actually did their initiation 
there was a huge difference in their spirituality and they were like wow you were right like it's it's definitely not the dream itself does not initiate you it's calling you towards initiation um but yeah it's initiation is just rites of passage um and it cannot be skipped and it cannot be self-performed um it does not work that way so everything has a root a history an origin and if it does not have a root then how can it be a tradition or better question is if it does not have a root then why are you practicing this are you just making things up um, you see, th this is why traditions have these, these protocols, these procedures in place. Everything has a root. Everything comes from somewhere. So, my spirituality, it needs someone else who has already been through this ceremony to then do this ceremony on me. So that I can be able to do the ceremony on someone else. And so, my ceremonies, um, by way of ancestry date back to africa to the origin of the tradition um but when you are self-initiating what is the ancestry what is the roots of your initiation where is your spirituality coming from and the answer is nowhere you're just making it up out of thin air um so yeah it doesn't work that way now in terms of license or decencia it's actually very interesting so license is your authority to do things um decencia is the kikongo word for it actually speaking people that are spanish speakers get the two mixed up so licencia is literally a license decencia is the kikongo word for license so they're very similar um but they're not the same um so remember when we speak kikongo in palo we're speaking on a very spiritual subject it's not speaking it casually like it's an everyday subject we're speaking in terms of spirituality so that's a spiritual term for us so decencia is um the spiritual authority or permission to do things um but it's okay, you know, if people say licencia, it's understood for the record. Um, if you say I'd have licencia to do this, then, you know, obviously I'm going to understand what you're talking about. But yeah, so the authority or permission to do things. Um, if we talk about this, there are ceremonies and rites and permissions that can be um, bestowed upon people to be able to do specific things. Um, and these things grant you these permissions and everything has a history um you can't just make it up it has to come from somewhere um and that's a part of this decencia pro uh, process you know um i cannot be a fully ordained priest of palo mayombe if i was not fully ordained by a priest that was fully ordained and so on and so forth and being ordained is receiving dincencia as a tatankisi. Um, so these things, there, there's ceremonies and rites and processes that really have to be um, in place to get, acquire these 
um, permissions and authorities. They're not just, well, I feel like I should have this permission, so I'm just going to add it to my bio and say that I have it. That's not how that works. There's real, real ramifications to this, real processes, real protocols to this. And a lot of it has nothing to do with what I want and everything to do with what I should have. Um, but yeah, that's that's the decencia part. Um, I was also asked on something very... That, something that I'm very passionate about, and that's, you know, how to identify um, the right godparent before deciding that this should be your godparent. And the reason why I'm passionate about this is because I keep seeing it again and again and again, where people keep choosing the wrong people to spiritually look up to. Um... I said it in one of my previous episodes. If these people are not someone that you can trust with your debit card, why do you trust them with your spirituality? If you cannot trust them with your life, why do you trust them with your spirituality? It does not make sense. It does not. So, things that I generally look out for is the trust. Um, How badly, like, how much do I trust this person, you know? Um, if I can't trust them with anything, I can't see them as my godparents. I can't follow them as my godparents. So how do I get to that point to decide on how much I do trust them is I spend time with them. I spend time with them and try to figure out, you know, how I feel about them and what I've seen and how they work and how it resonates with me, you know, um, personally speaking, you can be a a really good elder, a a amazing one with all the right, um, ceremonies and be legitimate. Um, but you can be shitty to say women. And I don't vibe with that. I don't vibe with the macho man bullshit. And even though you are legitimate, you're not the godparent for me. Um, so that's, that's the very first one, the trust, um, and you build that trust by spending time with them and observing them and figuring out if they resonate with you, if their values resonates with you, if their practices resonate with you, these, these are going to be your most primordial, um, indicators on whether this person should be a godparent that you can follow or not it's it's your primordial indicators um from there you have um on a more spiritual level um you want to see how their practice has affected others now i have seen so many people come up with all sorts of formulas that are like really nonsensical like for example as i said before um, i've heard people say something along the lines of well what you want is someone that's old you want an old head well not true because in some cases you know a person can be older and they just got initiated last year and so yeah physically in age they're older but spiritually they don't have that wisdom 
they don't have the practice they don't have the experience and then someone that's nine could have more practice and experience than them and they might be better for you might be a better fit for you a nine-year-old rather than that old head so yeah these these things are nonsensical i don't go by those but i do go by you know their spiritual capacity and the results of their spiritual deeds right so if you see someone that has um let's say god kids or god children that have generally um admiration for their godfather or godmother this is someone that wow okay they must have been doing something good they they must be doing something good they must be doing something right um if all these folks admire them and everything is going good in their life wait a minute there, there's something here look at how much smoke there is here and where there's that much smoke there must be fire right um and the reason why i'm mentioning it like this and breaking it down like this is because there are other ways right as a priest there are certain questions i can ask someone to verify whether they're legitimate or not but see that's unfair for me to even begin to mention because i'm a priest i know exactly what i'm looking for um someone that's new wouldn't know what to look for so they they'd be asking questions at random thinking yeah i'm doing it i'm verifying the the the, the, val the validity of their their priesthood and in reality they're asking stupid questions that could be googled you know so that's why i don't recommend that you guys go around asking people questions to try to verify if this is a godparent you should follow no instead look at the results of their work this is something that doesn't require any kind of like internal knowledge of any tradition but it should be common sense it's very clearly plainly visible that their good deeds have produced good apples period there's no special need for any special kind of wisdom for that um so that's gonna be your your main key right there you want to observe them get to know them build trust in them if you do trust them if they do inspire trust and look at the results of their work everything else does not matter i have heard so many different um nonsensical um criteria that it doesn't even make sense i've heard someone say that in palo um what you're looking for is a black elder no this is not true palo mayombe does accept everyone from everywhere there is no discrimination in palo mayombe um and if anyone puts their own personal discriminatory agenda then they're wrong at the end of the day the only the only ones that get to decide who is and is not um allowed within the tradition is the spirits and we see this a lot there's a lot of um how would i say this ignorance being practiced by a lot of elders that i don't agree with um but you know that's their practice it's their their ignorance leads them to believe that they can go ahead and exclude 
large groups of people for whatever reason you know this one has 11 toes so he's not allowed this one is black so they're not allowed this one is white so they're not allowed well this one is gay they're not allowed no sit down and ask the spirits let the spirits decide for themselves who is and is not allowed um and a lot of folks don't do that so yes you start seeing a lot of really weird um results really weird um clickish type of houses um and it is always some other like weird agenda and it doesn't resonate well with some folks and then when it doesn't resonate it's like well why would you look at this person as your godfather or your godmother um and why should you trust them so yeah always do that observe 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 see what their practices are like um see if it resonates with you and if it does then you build that trust and then well do you trust them enough to give them your debit card and trust the fact that they will not end your bank account because if you don't then why are you considering um them being your godparents i can tell you right now i have several god kids that have put their blind faith in me and have given me their card information um just right off the bat and that says a lot um that says a lot about how they feel towards me and i have several god kids that i've put my blind faith in them and i've given them something even more um precious to me than i guess you could say food itself and this trust goes both ways for the record a godparent should also be looking at their potential um students their potential god kids the same way like why should i even allow you to be my godchild and that's not something that a lot of elders are doing they're out here just accepting everyone it's it's a money game you know if you come with the right money i'll accept you as my godchild that's not how this works but you know that's neither here nor there it really depends on the elders that's how they choose to practice i can't agree with it um but yeah so speaking of that i was asked to discuss collection plate spiritualism versus charitable spiritualism and which one exactly i practice um so collection plate spiritualism is something that basically um folks do practice spirituality and they may even be legit um in some cases they're not but the main catch the main motivator for them to do these spiritual things is the money and what i'm talking about here is well you know we practice this this and this um and we can help you but pay up pay me first i i want your monies before i can even begin to solve your problems i want monies now i personally do not agree with this um entire mindset i personally see it as flawed but there are people that do it they take um spirituality to be almost like a business line a, a license to perform services for money so they go and they get these initiations and they pay for them and they see these as a business license so 
I've even seen people do like go to the lengths of like taking out a loan, um, getting initiations and then turning around. And once they got initiations, um, offering spiritual services to pay back for the loan and then start trying to turn it into a business to lead, a, you know, a wealthy life. I've seen it. Um, actually speaking, I've, I've seen a lot of that um, coming from Miami. And if you don't know, Miami is like the spiritual mecca for Afro-Cuban traditions. It all started through there. Um, and I find it weird that, you know, people talk about ATRs and spirituality. And the first things that you hear about is like, you know, ATL and New Orleans. But no one mentions Miami. Meanwhile, Miami is like the big mecca of, you know, Afro-Cuban Ifao, um, Santeria Urlukumi, and um, Palo Mayombe here in the U.S. And then it spread across the country from Miami. Um, so I, I find that weird. But anyways, um, growing up in Miami, you know, in the 80s... <laughs> what a time to be alive um these things were so common it was so common to see people you know um get initiations and then turn around and start charging hundreds and thousands even to do spiritual work and it was it was the wildest thing because it was like man you're brand new and you're out here killing it already you know you, you're driving flashy cars you're living in you know fancy fancy um penthouse like you out here doing it um and it was all based off you know charging for spirituality like they were really doing it um the issue there is uh these traditions were brought to us through slavery um and i say this all the time when people ask me why i disagree with this um i say it's messed up because these traditions were brought to us through slavery um the enslaved folk brought us the traditions and taught us the traditions and yet if the enslaved folk were alive today they would not be able to afford to practice their own tradition Think about that for a second. That's a tragedy in and of itself. They would not be able to afford to practice their own tradition. So I, I see something that's fundamentally wrong with that. Besides that, there is um, in collection plate spiritual, uh, spirituality, there is a lot of politics and a lot of... Um, I guess you would say like ceremonies and rites that are highly debated and it's almost always money um, motivated debates. So say for example, you know, like there's even controversial things like there's, you know, people can make up ceremonies um, and they, they specifically made up the ceremonies as a money grab, you know, and they they go ahead and they continue into this money grab and they just keep charging people to perform this ceremony that might have never really been necessary for people but they don't care they're going to keep this money grab going they're going to keep practicing 
um, the way they practice, they're going to keep telling people that they need this or that ceremony that might not even historically have ever existed. It's something that they made up. And it's a money grab. So that's collection plate spirituality. So then let's talk about charitable spirituality, which is something that I practice. So charitable spirituality is remembering where these traditions came from and being more old school and more reserved with it. Um, people don't generally want your money. Um, people that are practicing a more charitable spirituality don't want your money. What they want is for your betterment, for your advancement. And don't get me wrong. Even I will say that, you know, I'm not against uh, donations. If you're going to donate, I will gladly accept it. Um, but I don't demand that you pay me. I'm not looking at your bank account. I'm looking at you. I'm not trying to take from your bank account. I'm trying to help you reconnect to your ancestors. Um, and then maybe, you know, if, if your bank account grows and you feel um, that I should have something, then you can donate. And you know what? We can both be out here um, just living our best lives. But my goal isn't to take your money. Um, and because I don't sit here and, and charge people this, that, and the third over every little, single little detail, um, unfortunately, you know, as an elder, I still have to work a normal job. So I lose out on availability. Um, now, obviously, you know, if there were more donations, then obviously I wouldn't have to work anymore. But I haven't reached that level just yet. Um, but yeah, so I specifically, my entire practice is really based around donations. Um, I don't actually charge people for just about anything. Even when I do decide that, look, you will pay, which is very rare, by the way. It's usually because a person is being very abusive of my time and my effort. Um, and so I'm putting up the money as a barrier. As a, no, you know what, if you're going to waste my time, at least compensate me what I would have made at work. Because I, I can't be broke and wasting time with you at the same time. So yeah, um... This is why it's so different. If you notice, it's two completely drastically different um, mindsets. Now, charitable spirituality, um, I can say that it has a long history. Um, but I would like to say that there is um, a known recorded history of it existing um, since as far as back as 1792 in Cuba, um, with Cabildo Samekion, or Medjion, um, which if you know about the three wise kings or the three wise men, he's the one that brought baby Jesus the gold bar. Um, so this Cabildo, which Cabildo being the Spanish word for council, um, was founded by Bacongo and slave folk. Um, specifically to pool their money um, together and 
purchase each other's freedoms and it's a it's a thing of beauty because you know they came together they purchased their own freedoms and then they started purchasing other folks freedoms um so that's charity um they started using donations to purchase the freedoms of their community um so when you see stuff like that and that's that's on written record in history in cuba um i'm sure there's like a bajillion more examples that aren't in a written record because remember these traditions come um orally um for a very long time um so i'm sure there's a bajillion more examples of it but i'm talking about the earliest written example that i can think of right off the top of my head being 1792 um and you know it's a lot of old school um houses that they really just didn't care about the money they cared about the people and in this day and age where everyone is so concerned about the money I'm really just concerned about the people. You know, I want to build my community and I want my community to love each other like a family. And I really want um, for us to be able to love each other like family and um, help each other up like family. I have no interest in their money. Now, keep in mind, some of my God kids do donate. Some of them do absolutely feel like, you know what, Tata, I appreciate you. I love you for no reason. Hold this. I'm just, I just did really good this week. I had a little extra here. I want you to eat too. And as I said, I'm not against that, but I don't demand it from anyone. Um, and that's the difference between collection plate spirituality and charitable spirituality. And you can see how passionate I am about being charitable about the people, not the money. Um, but that's that's all of tonight's questions and i did want to point out um speaking of charity guys as i said um i specifically work through donations um and to that to that subject to that tone um i would like to point everyone to um the website of the temple that i work with it is munaso kotalima temple of Nkisi malongo um, the website is kotalima.org, K-O-T-A-L-I-M-A dot O-R-G. Um, you could go on that website, um, find some valuable information over who the temple is. And if you feel it, you know, out of the kindness of your heart that you want to donate, hey, even a dollar, you know, you definitely can. There is a form on the website to be able to donate to the temple. Um, and... All donations are appreciated. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, this is Tata out. Y'all have a good night.